I turned it into 16 Snuggies. So if you have no idea what that means, it, that's funny, all right? Hey, uh, you can always listen online and figure out what I'm trying to say, so. Hey, uh, we're, we're coming to the end of the, the series questions. We've got this week and next week, then we're going to do a short study on the book of Jonah uh, leading up into uh, the, the Be the Message, all right? So just kind of give you a little direction of where we're going. So uh, back in the beginning of the summer, I uh, started asking questions. Hey, if you had questions you wanted to ask me, what would it be? And you guys filled out uh, on the back of the communication cards and emails, just questions. And so um, one of the, the questions that we received is kind of a two-part this week and next week, um, is how do you hear from God and then how do you get guidance from God? And so I separated them because I think they're two separate um, questions. A lot of times people think hearing from God and guidance from God are the same but it's really kind of two different ones. So I happen to believe that God is active. I happen to believe that as uh, we as believers in Jesus Christ have a personal relationship with him, that our Heavenly Father wants to speak to us and that he does that on a regular basis in our life. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the equipment to hear from him. And so the question is that we always wrestle with is, are we hearing him? And if we're not, if we're not why? And then oftentimes if we're a person who doesn't hear from him on a regular basis, we'll hear somebody who will be talking and they'll be sharing their story about how God's speaking to them, guiding and directing their life. And you just kind of sit there and you don't want to say anything because you don't want to act unspiritual. And so you give it the old, hey, oh, praise Jesus. And then you walk away going, how is that? How come it doesn't work like that for me? Right. And so what's interesting about this is that Jesus addresses this issue. And he tells a parable to kind of help us to understand. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you've invited Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, you have ears to hear. The question is, are you hearing? And if you're not hearing, it has more to do with your attitude than anything else. Okay, now, now think of this in a relationship with other people. There are people, I'm sure that you don't have conversations with at times because of their attitude. Would you agree with that? Come on, think back when you were teenagers. I'm not going to ask my dad because he's got an attitude and I already know what the answer is, right? So we don't ask dad or mom or, you know, now as adults, you know, our kids are thinking the same thing about us. And I'm not going to go ask dad, he's got an attitude, and he's got an attitude, so I'm not going to do that. We do that with our spouses. It's like, I'm not going to ask her. I'm not going to have that conversation because she or he isn't in a frame of mind to be able to kind of have that conversation and it be healthy. And so the attitude of the other person eliminates the conversation. Well, it's the same thing with us. When it comes to our relationship and God speaking into our life, it's our attitude toward him that causes us to either hear or not hear. And what's interesting, and I kind of know the pushback, it's like, well, Dan, you know, it's, it's, it's 9.15 on Sunday, all right? We're here, of course our attitude is open to hear. And I would say to you, you might think so, but the reality is a lot of times we have barriers in our life that's preventing us from having that proper attitude, okay? And we'll see at the end, the proper attitude is, yes. Lord, before you even ask me the question. That's the proper attitude. 
And so we always have all these conditions. It's like, God, speak into my life. Give me direction. Give me guidance. As long as it's, you know, that you're going to send me on an all-trip, all-paid trip to Hawaii, okay, to sit on the beach, and Lord, I will commit to pray for all the problems of the world while I'm sitting on the beach, right? But Lord, if it send me somewhere else, right, into an inner city area or into a troubled area, it's like, Lord, I got a better idea. How about someone else, <laughs> right? So we put conditions on God, and then we wonder why he doesn't speak into our life. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 8, and this is where the parable starts. In ver- we're going to start in verse uh, 5, but we'll, we're going to look at verse 8. If you have your outline, you can go ahead and pull it out, and we'll, we'll fill in the blanks as we work through. So Luke says in in Luke chapter 8, verse 8, Jesus says this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, all right? So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the equipment to hear. So the question is, how's your attitude about it? So there are three uh, uh, areas that we need to kind of clarify when it comes to the parable. And in your outline there, the farmer is God, okay? So the farmer is God. The seed is the word of God. Now just kind of stop Now, don't rush to it being just the Bible, because when Jesus was speaking, the Bible wasn't even in existence, only the Old Testament. So the New Testament wasn't even in existence. So when he talks about it being the Word, he's talking about it being the words of God, and then, of course, today, as we sit here today, now we have the finished, the canonized version of Scripture, and so we have the Word of God in in Bible form. But when he was speaking, he was primarily speaking of the Word of God not the meaning the Bible, all right? And then the last part of the story, uh, the parable, is the soil, and that is the attitude toward hearing from God, all right? The attitude from hearing from God. So you have God in the mix. He's the farmer. You have the seed is the word of God, and then the soil is the, is, is the attitude that you have in your heart, okay? So let's walk through this, and we'll see how our attitude is. Number one in your outline. In order to have that proper attitude, right, you've got to be willing, and each of the four points have the word willing in there. And I purposely did that because I think it's a choice. We have to make a choice to be willing to do something. So we have to be willing to be open, eager, and receptive to hearing God. Oftentimes as believers, we say we want God to speak to us, but we really want to put conditions on Him and how and what he's going to be able to say into our life and to speak into our life. And so starting in verse 5, Luke chapter 8 says this, A farmer went out to sow his seed. Now remember, when Jesus is talking, we think of farmland today. You know, they got these huge tractors. They work 24 hours a day. They plow the fields. And there's very little kind of hands-on working the field. In those days, everything was plowed by hand, and everything was planted by hand. And so they didn't have the mechanic, uh, the, the, the tractors and so forth that we have. So the farmer went out and he sows his seed. And as he scatters the seed, some fell along the path. <clears throat> now the path in which he's, uh, Jesus is referring to, it's like a home garden, right? In a home garden you have, you know, you have like your, your tomato plants and then you have a little bit of space and then you have your peppers and then you have a little bit of space and you have whatever else, what other things you're growing, right? And you walk back and forth in those, that little area in which, and that is the path in which Jesus is referring to. When we go out into, you know, the valley or we go into uh, our agricultural area, there's not a lot of paths because they use tractors for everything. So you don't have people out necessarily walking on a path 
uh, the tractors do the prim- primarily the, the majority of the work. And so this path is packed down and it's trampled on because they have people who are working the fields. And as they're cultivating and pulling weeds and all the different things, they're trampling on this little pathway that, uh, that gets into getting compact, which we'll see in a moment. And so as the broadcasting the seeds, some of the seeds fall on that hard area, and the birds come along, and the birds eat it up, all right? They look down, and they go, oh, dinner, and then they eat the seeds, and they begin to you know, go on about their, their day, all right? Now, later, Jesus is going to give more definition into the meaning of it, because the disciples are standing around, and they're scratching their head, and they're like, okay, Jesus, so what did that mean? We don't get it. And so he comes back, and in verse 12, he gives the meaning of the footpath. In verse 12, it says, Those along the footpath are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes along and takes away the word from their heart so they cannot believe and be saved. All right? So there, there is a hardness in their heart. There is a narrow view in their life, because remember, he's talking about it being a pathway. So it's not this giant roadway, it's a little tiny area where the workers are walking, and as a result, it's getting compacted down, the seeds fall on it, it's not loose enough to, for the seeds to germinate, and so it's a, it's, it's a narrow, hard area that the birds come along, see the seeds that have fallen on it, and they begin to pick it up, and they begin to eat. And so in your outline, the hard, narrow path equals, equals, a closed mind or a closed attitude, all right? Now, you say, well, can a believer have a closed mind or a closed attitude from hearing from God? And the answer to that is absolutely. Anytime that we put conditions on what God's going to speak into our life, we have a closed mind. It's like, God, don't confuse me with your will. My mind is already made up. Okay, And then we sit back and we long for God to speak into our life, but our mind is made up. We've already come to our conclusion. We know what we're going to do. We know when we're going to do it. We know all that stuff. And it's difficult for him to speak into our life. So what causes that closed mind or that closed attitude? In your outline, there are three causes. One is pride. Do you ever get to a point in your life where you just realize that you can handle it all on your own? Come on, church. We talk back here. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. I mean, how many times have you ever said, I don't know what else to do. I guess I'm going to just have to pray. You, you want to know what that means? Translation. You just spent 95% of your time trying to figure it out on your own. And now you get to a point where your back's against the wall and you don't have anything else to do. But up until that point, you were filled with yourself because you figured it out or you thought you did. Next one is Fear. And that is that we're afraid oftentimes that God is going to speak into our life and he's going to tell us something that we don't want to hear. Either stop doing something that we're doing, either start doing something that we're not doing, either you know quit, move, go somewhere else, do something, do some type of ministry. And as a result, not fear out of reverence for God, but fear that God is going to upset the apple cart in my life. My life's comfortable, it's easy, everything's going smoothly. The last thing I need is any direction from you, God. I just want to keep coasting. And so fear prevents us from hearing him. And then lastly in there is bitterness. And that has to do with last week. And when we think that God is the God of happiness, 
and we just take our tokens and we say, I prayed, I went to church, I gave, I'm serving, I'm doing this. And we put our little tokens in our, in our uh, heavenly uh, soda machine and we press happy and happy doesn't come out. We think God has let us down. And we turn and we walk from God because we feel like, God, you're obligated to make me happy. And we looked at this last week. He's not obligated to make you happy. He's obligated to make you holy. And that's a whole different, a whole different con, uh, uh, attitude and idea. And so oftentimes bitterness comes in where we blame God and we have just a bad attitude when it comes to that. So, so attitude number one that prevents us from hearing from God is a closed mind. We have a narrow and hard heart in that area. Number two is you've got to be willing to slow down to listen. You've got to be willing to slow down to listen. I think that in our culture, you're running 185 miles an hour. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? Yeah, okay, all right. <clears throat> yeah. You're quick to move and slow to speak. I like that. All right. Verse 6. Let's see what it says here. Other seed fell on shallow soil. And this is the New Living Translation. I don't normally like to use the New Living Translation. But in this case, it had one area that I thought was a little more descriptive. With underlining rock. Okay, and that's the, that's the part that I wanted you to see. So in the soil in Israel where Jesus is speaking is a very uh, uh, small layer of topsoil. All right, so there's an inch or two of topsoil, and then beneath the topsoil is like a limestone. Okay, it's very hard, and so it's very difficult to grow things. And so in order to grow stuff, you've got to break through the limestone and get back. And and so, uh, you know, some of us may be living in areas where the soil isn't very good. You've got to bring in a lot of topsoil, a lot of additives into your soil in order to make it fruit. Fruitful, uh, uh, fertile in, in that. And so this is kind of what Jesus is referring to. It, there's a couple inches of good soil, but underneath it, it's hard rock. It's, be, it, it's not bedrock, but it's more like a, like a limestone. All right? So some of the seeds begin to grow. They're thrown out there. The, the, God throws out the seed. Some of it begins to grow, but it soon withers and dies for a lack of moisture. And the reason why is because the seeds germinate but the roots aren't able to get past that hard pan. And so when the heat comes in, it's much like this area here, where the heat comes in, it begins to bake that topsoil and the roots don't have any cover and they end up drying up. And as a result of it, the whole plant ends up dying. All right. And so as, as Jesus is telling the story, he's saying, listen, the, the, there is there is the root begins to take place, but there's no foundation in those plants. And when the heat comes, it begins to dry up and it begins to wither. And so, again, in verse 13, he comes back and he answers what exactly it meant. It says those on the rocks are the ones who receive the word with what? With joy. All right. So they, they like the stories, they like the teaching, they like what Jesus has to say, they like what the disciples are saying, they're wowed by it, they're like, wow, we've never heard something like that, but they're not transformed by it. So they, they're, they're encouraged by the testimony, they're encouraged by the lives of other people, but there, but there, is, no, there is no transformation that begins to take place. And the reason why is because there's no foundation in their life. And so they come to church, 
and we'll bring it into the contemporary setting. They come to church and they're like, man, you know, Pastor Dan, that was great. And that was a great song and a wonderful testimony. And the three, wow, we got three screens back here. And we're wowed by it, but we're not transformed by it. So we receive it with joy and we leave here encouraged, but there is no transformation that takes place. So when they hear it, it goes on, it says with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They have no foundation in their life. They believe for a while, but in, a, uh, in the time of testing, they fall away. When the heat comes down and it begins to bake the soil around your life because of difficulties in this world, you don't have a foundation to draw from. And sure, you've got cool stories and you know, all that kind of stuff, but, but, but you don't have a spiritual foundation, a spiritual depth in your life and you get disappointed and you think God's let you down and you have a, you, you kind of walk away from it all right you walk away from your faith not in the sense of losing your salvation but in that relationship since you you begin to distance yourself from, from God and the soil in that case in your outline is the fair weather minded person all right now, I'm going to own up to something, all right? So get ready. You ready? I have not watched a Warriors basketball game in probably 15 years, okay? One of the guys in our church actually does security and was a, was a security guard for Stephen, uh, Stephen Carey. He told me that one day. I had no idea who he was, right? But they made the playoffs. Fair-weathered in, Right? And I like basketball. I mean, I played a little bit. And, and so, sure, when they made it into playoffs and they got into the championship round and ultimately that, that final game, I watched it. Soccer, right? We had, the, we had the Women's World Cup. I don't even know the rules. I played one game of soccer in sixth grade and I got kicked out. And I thought, well, that isn't a good game for me because I guess you can't slide and take someone out. It looked like it was a fun thing to me. I don't know, offside, corner kick, I know you can't touch it with your hands. Okay? To me, that sport looks like a marathon. Right? I'm into baseball. Here's how that works. And he gets ready to pitch, and no one swings. We get a rest now. That's my sport, right? And then the guy hits the ball, and everyone goes, throw it. All right, now we're going to go back and rest again. Right? That's a beautiful sport, right? Some of you ought to try it. You could play it from your couch. No, serious, I do, right? So, so fair weather, we all know what that is, right? So all of a sudden, we became great soccer fans, and we became, you know, NBA uh, warrior fans, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, right? And th- this is what it is. When, when life is good, and they're in the playoffs, and they're winning, I'm on board. But when life gets tough, and there's difficulties, and they're not winning, then God, I'm not interested. See, I want it, I want it when life is good. And so the fair weather fan, when it comes to spiritual things, as long as life is going well, I am completely in. But when it gets difficult, I'm going to walk away. Now let me throw a couple plugs at you here. On August 23rd, okay, if you sit here today, and you're either a new believer or you're getting reacquainted with the Lord. On August 23rd, it's an eight-week class. It's called Starting Point. And it is designed specifically for new believers and folks coming back 
to get reacquainted. The whole idea is to build a foundation in your life, a spiritual foundation in your life. And so if that is something that you're interested in, on the back of the communication card, just write starting point, and then we'll get in touch with you and we'll invite you and make sure that you have all the information that you need, okay? For those of you who are a little farther along in your faith, faith is developed not necessarily on Sunday morning in large group, but really in small group time, all right? And that's the importance of the community groups. There's a time there where you can ask questions, you can hear other people, and you can begin to allow your spiritual roots to grow in your life. And so all of us need to be a part of, whether it be starting point or whether it be the community group campaign that we'll be starting in September, we all need to be a part of that so that we build a foundation in our life. Because as we looked at last week, it's not an issue of if hardship comes your way. It's a matter of when it comes your way. Because Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. Right? And so it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when in your life. And do you have the foundation, spiritually speaking, to be able to weather the storm that, that you're going to be going through? All right? Number three. The third thing is this. You've got to be willing to remove distractions. Any distractions? Lots of them, right? Lots of distractions. Verse 7. Other seeds fell along thorns which grew up uh, with it and was choked by the plants, all right? So if we were to take that word choked, because that's not really a word that we use uh, too often, a better word for that would be stressed, okay? Stressed. And so when we think about our life and we think about all the activities and all the things that we got to be, be involved in, we get stressed because we have too many activities taking place in our life. And Jesus answers this in verse 14. He says, the seeds that fell along the weeds stand for those who hear, all right? But as they go, as they live their life, as they move forward on, and then what's the next word? On, what's the next word? There, right? On their way, right? It's their personal life, their personal choices. It's their agenda, their plans, their activities, all the different areas of their life, okay? As they begin to go on their way, they are choked or stressed by it. And then he gives us the descriptions of areas of our life where we end up getting choked or stressed out. Worries, riches, and pleasures. Okay? And as a result of worry, riches, and pleasures, they do not mature. Right? They do not mature in their life. Because of all the activities, because of all the things, because I got my plans and my kids' plans and my wife's plans and the church plans and this, that, and the other thing, and our calendar is completely filled with stuff. Right? Then you throw in the, the areas of finances, and I got to buy this, and the kids need clothes, and the refrigerator's going out, and the car's got 300,000 miles on it, and I got to do this, and all of a sudden we get more and more anxiety, more and more concerns, more and more, and he's going to use the word choked, right? I'm going to use the word stress. And as a result of that, we do not grow to maturity in our life. Okay, so back to the three. Worries, in the Greek, 
means to be pulled in two different directions. All right? So, so you just think about that. Pulled in two different direct directions. James says a double-minded man, right? He goes up and down, up and down, up and down. I believe God. I'm trusting God. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, no, life's going to end. I trust God. Oh, God, you got 100% of my heart. Oh, no, what, how am I going to make payments? How am I going to do this? And they go up and down, up and down. Jesus says it's like being pulled in two different directions. Right? You want to serve God. You want to be obedient. You want to hear from Him. But then you look at your calendar, and I got this event and that event and this activity and that activity, and I got to take care of this, and my mom's calling me, and my uncle's calling me, and someone else needs me, and I'm being pulled in two different directions. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? If you've never felt that way, perfect. You know what we need? We need hosts for community groups. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I'm overloaded now, Pastor Dan. I'm not being pulled in two directions. I'm pulled in like nine directions. They got a mule on all sides of me pulling me, right? And then he uses, the, uh, he uses riches, and that's where it's unfortunate, but many times folks are just chasing the dollar, right? And, and they, their heart isn't where it needs to be seeking the kingdom of God. They're seeking riches for their own, uh, for their own wishes and wants and so forth. And as a result... You know, they, they have that, that mind that's not uh, where it needs to be. And then lastly is pleasures. And that's where we, we, we want to seek pleasure over fun. What's interesting is just as happiness, God made us uh, and created a world where there's lots of pleasure, right? But anytime we seek pleasure over Him, we got it, we got it a little bit wrong, right? We're not supposed to seek happiness. We seek holiness. We're not supposed to seek pleasure. We're to seek the kingdom of God. And as a result, He gives us those things as we get the desires of our heart. So that soil in your outline, that soil is the preoccupied mind. The person who has a preoccupied mind. In First, in first Kings, I'm not going to go over it. We'll look at this in a series, Be the Message. And <clears throat> this is where we think that God is going to speak to us in a loud and profound way. And there's a case in the Old Testament where uh, there's, a, there's an earthquake, there's a fire, and there's a windstorm. And the scripture says, and God wasn't in any of those. But it says in, in verse 12, and he says, after a fire came a, what's the word? Gentle whisper. You, you know the significance of hearing a gentle whisper? You have to have less noise going on in order to hear it. Right? So whether that's ambient noise or just noise in your own mind, in order to hear a gentle whisper, you've got to be quieter than the gentle whisper. And unfortunately, I think we fill our lives up with all kinds of activities and our mind is going somewhere else and we don't uh, hear from him. And then the last one is this. Number four, you've got to be willing to do what he says before he says it. that easy? <laughs> There's an honest person, right? It is, it is not easy at all. And if you don't think that God will ever challenge your heart and send you to a place or, or call you into an activity that you don't feel worthy or you don't feel capable of doing it, I hate to tell you this, but He will do it every single time. He always calls us to something out of our comfort zone because if you could do it, you don't need Him. Right? If you could do it in your own ability, in your own uh, power, then you don't need Him. And so our attitude needs to be, yes, God, before you even ask, before you speak, before you give me direction, the answer is yes. I will be obedient to it. 
And it's unfortunate that we want to put conditions on God. And we want, to, we want to bring him into kind of, you know, first let's negotiate. Let's make a deal. You know, send me somewhere good. Send me somewhere, something that I want to do, something that I like. And then I'll, I'll weigh it out and I'll decide. It's like, okay, God, let me think. Do I want to? Do I not want to? And we play Rochambeau, Rochambeau, right? And then we're obedient to God or not obedient to God. All right. And so here we need to be obedient to him before he even asks. I'm going to give you three different versions of verse 15 just to see. <clears throat> but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Okay, Again, that isn't the heart here. It's the attitude that he's referring to. <clears throat> Who hear uh, the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a great crop. All right. Here's the good news version. The seed that, fall, uh, that, that fell on good soil stands for those who hear the message, retain it in a good and obedient heart. Again, remember, attitude. They, they persist until they bear fruit. The Living uh, Bible translation. <clears throat> they listen to God's word and they cling to them and steadily spread them to others who also soon believe. Okay, look up here. Here we go. This is so crucial to hearing God. God does not speak into your life for you. He speaks into your life so that you will bear fruit. Okay? It's, it's not, it may give you direction in your life, but the ultimate purpose that God speaks into your life is that you bear fruit in your spiritual life. And so it isn't about you. It's not so that he speaks into your life so you'll produce your own fruit and you'll consume your own fruit. He speaks into your life so that you will produce fruit so that others will consume it. Okay? I think we miss that. We don't understand. He doesn't speak into our life just to communicate with us. He speaks into our life to transform us so that the message that we walk around and tell are consumed by other people. And this becomes the importance of that series that I've been kind of talking about, Be the Message. Because that is what the whole thing is about. That you are to be the message. Now, Here's how that works. We probably know what the gospel is. That we're all sinners, right? That God sent His Son to die on a cross. That He was the Messiah. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. Was raised again on Easter. And if you invite Jesus into your life, your life can be saved. Your life can be transformed by the power of His, uh, of, of his death and resurrection. Right? We, we kind of get that, right? And if you take that message out into the world, and that's all the message that you have. That's pretty powerful. But here's what makes it even more powerful. It's when you wrap your life around His grace and mercy. And you have a story to tell of how His death, burial, and resurrection has affected you. And it becomes not one-dimensional, Oh, God sent His Son. He died on a cross. He rose again. Okay. It becomes multidimensional 
because it's transformed your life. And you become the message. You become the walking billboard for the world to see that God in His grace and mercy and His love bankrupt heaven, sent His one and only Son to come to this earth to live a sinless life and be crucified so that we would live. And this is how it has affected me and this is how it has changed me and this is what it means to me and this is how it's changed my life and my direction and my priorities in my life. And so I have His unchanging message wrapped around my story. Okay, as believers, folks, this is... You know, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. Your story is unique. Your story is unique. You may have the only one of those stories. And if you sit on it, no one hears it. And we lose out on hearing about His mercy, His grace, and His love. And so you need to be the message. You need to be the billboard. And all of us have, if we're believers in Christ, all of us have messages, not just necessarily one, sometimes multiple ones, that God uses in our life to completely change us. And again, so a little plug for be the message. And how does God develop that message in our life? And that's what we'll look at over the five weeks as we begin to unpack it and how that affects us and how that affects the story in which we tell. All right? And so it becomes pretty powerful. But I, but I want you to kind of just kind of come back for a moment to say this, that when God speaks into your life, it's not for you. It's so that it produces fruit in your life for others to consume. And let me throw on a couple of these and we're going to wrap up. And the next week we're going to look at getting guidance from him. So what are the benefits? Real quick. <clears throat> the first one is it proves that I am in, the fa- I am in God's family. In John chapter 10, verse uh, 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. And I know them, and they negotiate with me. Is that, what it, is that what it says? No, it says they follow me, right? And when you think about the voice, you know, of course, my kids are a little bit older and grown up, but when they were younger, when I would call the house from here, uh, or from the church office and call my house, and I'd ring the phone, and then one of the boys would answer, and I'd say, hi, this is Dan Buchert, your father. No, I would say, hey, this is dad, right? Most of the time I didn't even say that because my kids recognize my voice, right? And so as believers, we are to recognize his voice, but then we're also to follow him in it. The second idea is it protects me from mistakes. Anybody interested in that? Proverbs 3, verse, uh, verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with, what's the word? All your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And that word lean, if I were to climb up here on the pulpit, that word lean means that I'm going to lean on the pulpit. I'm going to trust that it's going to completely hold me up. Okay? I'm going to take all my choices, all my life, all my decisions, my finances, my marriage, how I do life, and I'm going to lean on it. Okay, now go back to the verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Lean not. In other words, don't trust your insight, your wisdom. Don't give me, I got a gut feeling. Okay? You may have a gut. There's no feeling in there. All right? 
And if you do, it may be wrong. Most of the time it is. Lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And that again, that goes back to the verse 5. In trusting Him. In all your areas of your life. In every single category of your life. You are to trust Him in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. Not perfect, but His grace will be on that path with you. Alright? And then last is it produces personal success. In Psalms 32 there, verse 8, it says, I will instruct, uh, God says, I will instruct you and I will teach you in your ways that you should go. I will counsel you and I will watch over you. Alright? And so there's some byproducts of hearing. Okay? So let's wrap this thing up and we're going to be out of here. If you are not hearing from God, whether it be through His Word, through a message, guys on the radio, guys on the TV, and, and you just feel like there is no connectivity at all, I would say to you, check your attitude. Okay, Is your attitude closed? Are you fair-weathered as long as things are good? You're interested in being obedient, but as soon as it's bad, you, you shut them down? Or is your mind filled, preoccupied with all the other activities in life? Because if it's one of those three, you may have the ears to hear, but you will not hear. Because there's a broken reception. Now, it doesn't mean that you've lost your salvation it just means there's a distant, there's a connection. You ever have cable, right? Direct TV, you know, you lost the satellite coverage. Right? That's what, that's what it is. And so if you're interested in hearing from Him, you've got to come back to four. And you've got to say, Lord, regardless of what you say, regardless of what you call me to do, regardless of what you ask me to do, the answer is yes. Now go ahead and start speaking. And when you do, He will begin to speak into your life. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this opportunity to gather. And Lord, I believe that we are all sitting here and deep down in our hearts, we want to hear from You. We want guidance. We want direction. We want to know that You are alive, that You love us, that You're pursuing us, that You have a plan and a purpose for our life. And Father, I pray for our attitude. Lord, that our attitude would be right that our minds would be clear, that our hearts would be right, and that would be aiming at You. And Lord, our answer to, regard, to whatever You're going to say to us is yes. Yes, we'll be obedient. Yes, we'll do it. Yes, we'll be happy to follow Your direction. And Father, I pray that that attitude will run in our hearts and our life for the rest of our lives as we follow You. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to know you in a greater way. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ. You've never entered into that personal relationship with Jesus. And I want to give you that opportunity. We just kind of do a little prayer, a little ABC thing to help us to understand it. A is admit that we're sinners, that we've all made mistakes. B is believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross, and that he rose again. And C is to confess Him to be your Lord and Savior. And if that's your desire today, to invite Him into your life, just repeat this prayer. 
as I say it silently, not out loud, just silently repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, today, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes. And I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross and that he rose again. He's alive. And today, I confess him to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you for loving me. Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you for giving me a new start. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And all